Hello and welcome to the Christchurch Fox Chapel podcast, the fastest growing conservative, evangelical, charismatic Anglican podcast in the entire Fox Chapel area. I'm joined today by the Reverend Ben Wolke, who's actually preaching on our passage and therefore is an expert on James chapter 4. Who told you that? Uh, I have a document top right-hand corner of my screen that tells me who's doing what. Oh. Well, the, the expert thing. I am preaching. Oh, yeah. Well, um, you know this. When we hired you, everybody said, this is great. You're getting Stephanie Wolpe. Yeah. And, and I figure if she's so clever, she wouldn't marry an imbecile. She is a very clever woman. James, chapter four. The lost Yeti's a friend. Uh, it fades abruptly. <laughs> I'll read for us. James chapter 4, 1 through 12. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace? Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's really great quarrels. I mean, as people are listening to this, we're, we're possibly even on election day. So it's very, yeah. very appropriate. These divisions and quarrels, not the only book <clears throat> of the Bible that talks about it. Really, First Corinthians is all about these schisms and fights. Mm-hmm. But uh, James here now, I think, is drawing this link between quarrels and arguments, the call to humility and um, exposing the fact that we can be quite judgmental when we argue with people. Yeah, as well as the the many things that are are kind of holding us back and at the root of these sinful quarrels and fights, like mm. the things within us, the friendship with the world, the, the influence of the devil mm. uh, that we're told to flee from mm. um, or resist, rather. Yeah, there's a lot going on in this passage, and and yeah. we think about the quarrels among us, and there's actually a lot underlying each one um, that needs to be addressed. Friend of the world is an intriguing remark, and that's verse four. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to understand what, what that is and why it's so bad. 
Yeah. I I think it's kind of like trying to be on a side. Like it seems like there's the world is in opposition to God and God's in opposition to the world. It says there's enmity with God if you're friends with the world. Okay. So it, are, who are you allied with? Where do your loyalties lie? Uh, who are you trying mm. to impress and who are you trying to serve? The, okay. the needs of the world, the desires of the world, or the desires of God. So when he, when he says in verse 3, you adulterous people, and that's the echo of the Old Testament charge against God's yeah, people, yeah. adultery as an image of unfaithfulness to God, mm-hmm. marriage as an image of our relationship with God, Yeah. Um, which I think you, you may have pointed out in, in your wedding sermon the other week, which is really nice, this you know marriage in this image of God. Yeah, um, yeah. Is he saying here that if you're really making the world into your God and it's becoming your uh, thing that you serve and work for and strive for, then actually it's like cheating on Jesus. Yeah, it is. And throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament in various places, there's this analogy of God and his people Mm. as a marriage, like you you mentioned. But it's drawn out explicitly, like this is a common analogy that's throughout the whole Bible that... God is married to his people and is going to be married to his people. Revelation ends with a marriage mm. where Jesus is united to his church. And yeah. and so this idea of adultery, unfaithfulness, of betrayal is, is very real. And it, I think it cuts right to the heart of everything mm. we're meant for. Right. And, okay, PG-13 alert. I don't think we have many children listening to this, but uh, adultery is one of those things in, in the Bible that's that's actually quite a broad term as well. Mm. You know, ranging from actual um, full-on cheating on your wife or husband in all that that entails physically, right? Mm-hmm. Through to the lesser kind of things of the wandering heart. Yeah. Or eyes. Or eyes. As Jesus says. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, a second look in the mirror as you drive past the dog park in the summer, mm-hmm. all the way through to, you know, running a, a practical harem on the side. Uh, that's all caught within this phrase. Yeah. And so taking that and applying it to our faith, maybe you see a similar sort of thing. You know, mm-hmm. there are people who are tempted completely to cheat on God in that very strong and all-in sense. But there are also smaller, lesser temptations, perhaps. Fleeting second looks of the gods and other things. Yeah. And, I mean, this the friendship with the world is so easy to do when we live in the world. It's all around us. The Mm -hmm. influences of culture and uh, society that is actively trying to pull us away from God. Mm -hmm. It's pervasive. And, and we fall so, for it. And we fall for it. All I the mean, time. as in we. I mean, me and yeah. you. We we Absolutely. fall for this. Yeah, but the world. Mm-hmm. We we talked a little about formation and discipleship maybe the week before last, and and you know in the sense that we're always being formed and shaped by the yeah. things that we live amongst and do. Yeah. Yep. And see. Uh, yeah, uh, Dallas Willard has this line from one of his books, and I'm going to butcher it, but. But you probably improve upon it. <laughs> he says something about, like, everyone is being formed. You know, terrorists as well as saints, mm. uh, pastors as well as atheists are, are being formed towards something. 
Yeah. Uh, and you have to choose to be formed by God, by His right. Spirit. Uh, or you're choosing then to be formed by the world. Um, or by Google. Or by Google. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the world, basically. Is that what James means? Yeah, he might be. All these big corporations that run our lives. It's a Greek word, is it? For... <laughs> <laughs> Googleos. <laughs> <laughs> What is the Greek word for cosmos? Yeah, I think that's interesting. It's, and if the word is cosmos, I don't know if it is, but I think it probably is. I think here. it probably is. Um, then that just gives a slightly bigger sense of, of everything, mm. all of creation and the universe, and, yeah. and not just, I mean, it's everything. You're being formed by everything around you. Yep. Whole system. Yep. And, and an active formation, too, because like, it, it gives me this idea, too, and reminds me that the world is not neutral. Right. But the world is fallen, even as I'm fallen. Like, mm. it's not just that I'm sinful and I need to be saved by God's grace, but the world is sinful to its very core and has fallen away from God's love and his purposes and needs to be redeemed. And what amazes yeah. me is in the, in the Old Testament, you get this image of God um, with his adulterous wife. Calling her back and loving her back. Yeah. Uh, who's Hosea. The, Hose, yes, Hosea. Hosea and Gomer, right. his right. wife. Yeah. As a model of God with us. Yeah. And then James, he goes right there, doesn't he? Um, I'm thinking still in verse five. It's, it's, it's a quote. He yearns jealously over the spirit yeah. that he has made to dwell in us. God is, is jealous for me. Mm -hmm. um, Jesus culture song. He is jealous for me. Yeah. I don't know that one. Well, it's probably not a Jesus culture song because they just sing other people's stuff. <laughs> um, but that's the version I know. Yeah, hear. but that idea of a, a righteous jealousy too, because we mm. think of jealousy as like, oh, there's something sinful about that. Like, I shouldn't be jealous. But right. that's kind of the idea of coveting, really. Right. James also talks about. But like, God is jealous because he has a right to be. Uh, like, he, he made us for he himself. He made us for himself. He's jealous when he sees us turn to other things. And he yearns. I love that word, yearns, mm. jealously. Like he longs for us. He yearns. He yeah. strains with every part of his being to bring us back to him. And then he gives us more grace. And gives more grace. But yes. he gives more grace. When we are the ones who least deserve it. Yeah, isn't that amazing? God's, yeah. God's reaction to our adultery against him is grace. Mm -hmm. And and. After the grace comes more grace, mm. which is that Johannine image of uh, grace upon grace or gift upon gift. Yeah, or uh, I think about Romans 2, his, God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Oh, yeah. Like there's grace there that is meant to lead us to repentance so that we can receive more grace. We do this as parents, right, with our yeah. kids. We, we've got to discipline them, but we, we can't just thrash them around. Otherwise, yeah. they're going to hide it from us. Yeah. We want them to come to us. Mm-hmm. And say, you know, Dad, I've done this wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And we should be a place where even if they know they're going to be disciplined, they know that they're safe and they're loved and mm. that we value them more than anything else, which is how God treats us. In verse 7, he moves on to a more sinister and active force behind this. Mm -hmm. So I guess in our discussion so far, we've had this idea of being formed by the world or by God. And, and we may have been led to see that world as just a, a fallen human system and nothing more. Yeah. But James starts to expose here some some demonic forces behind it, which he kind of got to in, in um, James 3 as well. Yeah. Uh, about 
earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I'm looking, verse 7, resist the devil. Yeah. And he will flee from you. Mm-hmm. That's a very powerful uh, piece of advice and injunction, I think. It is. It, and surprisingly simple. Like, I, I also, I, I don't know if it's the fact that because we're in Christ, because we have the Holy Spirit, we're able to resist like that. But part of me thinks, like, I, I don't know how to resist the devil or, like, mm. should I be able to resist it? Because he's powerful and uh, sinister and and much smarter than I am. Well, <laughs> like, yes, I wouldn't advise spiritual warfare on your own. No. Um and let's be honest, I've done it. Uh, and it was a disaster. Yeah. It left me feeling... Trying to resist the devil, you mean? And, or or you were actually in, in pastoral ministry. I, yeah. I went into a situation unprepared. Uh, I thought, well, look at me, I'm great. And I went to deal with, with some demonic stuff. But unprepared and really somewhat in my human strength. Hmm. And that was, that was really dumb. I mean, that was... The devil runs around like a roaring lion. It was yeah. like trying to yeah. fight off a lion with a stick of celery. It was just a total disaster and he says here submit yourselves therefore to god so there's a kind of sandwich point here to god resist the devil and he will flee from you verse eight draw near to god and he will draw near to you yeah so yep. this is not a spiritual battle that we're called to in our own strength mm-hmm. it is a spiritual battle that we're called to and that's that's why the verse six says mm. you know god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble we're called to that humility right that recognizes we need to submit to God. We need to be in God. We need to draw near to mm. God. And in that, from that place, resist the devil. From that place, yeah. uh, aim for peace among your all your quarreling and mm. uh, resist the influences of the world and and all of, all that goes along with that. But uh, there's the humility that is required to receive God's grace. He gives grace to the humble. Um. So therefore, is, is the verse 9 stuff. Be wretched and mourn, weep, mm. let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Uh, what's he on about here? Is this, is, this, is this a form of kind of penitence? Yeah, yeah I, I wonder if it's just taking seriously the reality of our sin. So he's not saying be miserable, though? I don't think that's where he wants to leave us. Okay. I don't think he says this is the... Pur- the perfect Christian state to be in, <laughs> wretched and mourning and uh, and weeping, right? But um, and gloomy, gloom and doom. Like I don't think that's the ideal Christian state that James would aim us no. for. But there is a need to recognize the weight and the consequences of sin, right? The the like, work of the devil, the influences of the world, and to reckon with that properly. Right. Like we would have um, these two penitential seasons in the calendar yeah but it's not it's, pe- it's not a penitential life <laughs> yeah there's a season of high and low yeah and those penitential seasons lead into the joyful feast seasons christmas and easter and so you i mean you can absolutely apply that to our, our pandemic season yeah not a liturgical season but um maybe it will be in the future oh do you think yeah Pan- pandem time <laughs> coronatide i've heard coronatide. some people say yeah oh i like that yeah uh, one of my favourite things to do is is with the word gloom, is to ask Catherine Parham 
to pronounce it with a Scottish accent. Gloom. It, it, it is great, actually. It's really <laughs> lovely when she does this. I'll have to do that this weekend. This is how you can tell uh, that she's a posh Brit and I'm a bit <laughs> rough. Uh, because when we do Scottish accents, I do Glasgow. Uh-huh. And it's a bit kind of uh, train spotting kind yeah. of sound. But when she does it, she does Edinburgh. Uh. And it's a bit more kind of Prince William. I'm nodding to pretend like I know what all that means. But uh, I, I take your word for it. <laughs> I, I, sound, I sound drunk when I do a Scottish accent. Uh-huh. Um, she sounds like royalty. Oh, okay. That's just worth noting. Okay. So ask, um, I will ask her to say gloom. Gloom. Yeah, it's lovely. She, she's the only person I know who can make gloom sound attractive. <laughs> <laughs> that is a valuable person to have in your life. Yeah, Thank you, sure. Catherine. Uh, to humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. What's the alternative? Exalt yourself before the Lord and he will humble you. Yeah, I think that is the alternative, actually. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, God opposes the proud, it says. So if you are working to exalt yourself, <laughs> yeah, God is actually going to be against you. And you may be humbled whether you like it or not. And I wonder if we just take for granted the fact that our faith is a dynamic. And James is going here. This mm. is not this is not a cerebral uh, relationship. Of, oh, I think God's real. I think God's good. Yeah, we're past that. We are well past that. Yeah. This is definitely the outworking of a relationship of trust. Yeah. And what does a working faith look like? The question we've been asking. Mm. Like, how is faith expressed through our works, through our actions, uh, through our relationships here in this, uh, the context of all of this, I think, is these fights and quarrels among the church. Mm. Um you know, what does an active and working faith look like? It has to start with being humbled before the Lord. And this is really hard. Yeah. So, you know, in marriage, for example, there have, there have been times where Catherine and I have, if, if not had an argument, we've had a contretemps. <laughs> and there has existed between us a certain animus. Uh-huh. And... Uh, you know, I'm inclined to mow the lawn on such occasions. And I always begin by the garage door and the basketball hoop. And at this point in the process, I'm I'm wronged. And and how dare she and what's wrong with her? And uh-huh. why is she so godless? And then by the kind of hemlocks, there's this nagging sense that something is up. And then by the pin oak, uh, I'm at fault. <laughs> and I get to the trampoline and I go inside and I confess. That actually it was me. <laughs> it's nice to have a pattern there. A reliable um, pattern. To be honest, I'm getting a bit bored of it. Because it's <laughs> happened enough for me to know. Now, yeah. now actually what happens is I get to the hemlock and I know where this is going. This is going to the trampoline. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, It's a very serious fight. It goes all the way to the trampoline. That's yeah. right. But it ends in the same place. Yeah. Um, and it's so easy to go like, no, I, you have wronged me. You are in the wrong. You have hurt me. And then when I raised this thing with you about how you hurt me, you hurt me yeah. by not reacting properly either. Yeah. And, and and then you go out and you go off and you're on your own. And maybe it's maybe you're not doing anything active. Maybe you're just you know for, on a walk or something. But when you're when you're on your own, it's almost like the devil comes alongside you and starts saying, "Yeah, you're right." Yeah, yeah. Like he feeds into this. It's like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, you're really onto something here." And, and and maybe it's even worse than you thought. And before long, you've had this deforming process of Satan just whispering yeah. stuff to you. Yep. 
Yeah. And training yourself to resist that right. is, is hard work. It is because it yeah. requires you to say, am I the bad guy? Yeah. So let me, let me ask you, cause I think that gets into the question. What does it mean to humble ourselves before the Lord? Mm. Like what does, what is humility? How do we define it? Is it, is it just being sad or feeling bad about yourself? Uh, or what's God aiming for when he calls us to that? Is it a realistic understanding of your place before the Lord? Mm. A realistic understanding of his holiness compared to your unholiness? Mm. And a realistic understanding of his grace and love for you despite your failings? And if you've been, you see how much grace you've received, it becomes so much harder to deny it to others. Yeah. And, and that leads to this judging thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like kind of a proper self-awareness of who you actually are before God, yeah. which seems like it also requires a knowledge of who God is. Right. And so this is not a perfect understanding of God's perfection yeah. or a perfect understanding of your imperfection. Yeah. Because actually you lack the perspective to judge even yourself. Mm -hmm. And you certainly lack the knowledge of how good God really is. But we get enough of a picture here that there's a huge gap between us. Yeah. So I, but then in that, in that gap, knowing like God's holiness against my sinfulness and, and contrasted with that, but also knowing in that gap, God's love and God's graciousness toward mm. me, mm. that means I don't have to try to exalt myself yeah. because God's love is God's grace is sufficient. Yeah. As Paul says, like God's, yeah, you know, it is enough that I'm I'm loved by the creator of the universe who's so much bigger than I am. Right. So much greater and so much holier. And yeah, we don't need a career consultant to finesse yeah. our CV or our resume to make it look more more impressive. We're not presenting a polished version of ourselves to the yeah. Lord with yeah. no PR exercise. Yeah. And I, I think there's something to that. Humbling yourself before the Lord so that you can receive his grace. Mm. And so that he will then exalt you, as verse uh, 10 says. Mm. Um, Lift up. Yeah. Like, to be humbled, to kind of uh, be low, mm -hmm. then receive God's lifting up. It, you know, it's kind of acknowledging who we are before him and who he is and his love for us. So that this, the, the, not a rabbit trail, but the, uh, the, la the lay-by on the lane of yes. James's argument um, I guess I would probably have uh, a question about um, this this idea of exaltation. Christ is exalted on the cross. Mm. And I'm just wondering if when God lifts us up, there is that element of um, suffering involved in that also. Yeah. 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 What does God's exaltation look like? Mm -hmm. uh, is it? Does it have effect here on earth or is it just kind of in the kingdom of God when Jesus comes again and we're all and Christ is married to his bride? Like, right. is that the exaltation or does it have effect now? I mean, if we're if we're to consider it joy and we share in Christ's sufferings and um, there's there's something weirdly good about taking hits for the gospel. Hmm. Uh, and. That, that has a payoff in, the, in, in eternity, but here and now pushes you into relying on God more and therefore draws you closer to God. 
yeah. those rough moments of being beaten up for the for the good news yeah actually are are christ-like well there's certainly like an instance when that happens when there's no doubt that you're not trying to be friends with the world mm. and you're trying to be friends with god and there's a there's a joy in knowing that and like for me i've found that there's times when uh able to take a clear stand or able to take a hit and just know who I am in Christ. And that, that's okay because yeah. I'm a friend of God because he calls me his friend and he calls me but it's uh, in those his, moments. his son. I think it's, it's in those, it's in those moments where um, either I've made a mistake and I just need to repent or alternatively I've done something right and someone's just been mean. Uh, but those are two occasions where habitually I'm way closer to the Lord. Hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't know if I'm, I'm racing Ben on, uh, you know, Forza on the Xbox and I win, which I do. Um, like that isn't a moment of great closeness to God. <laughs> but when he beats you, then, 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 then there's gloom <laughs> and there's weeping. Well, that happened with Halo. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. That, I mean, he now is awful. It's absolutely just. Is he just, way better than you? I mean, there's no scale. Yeah, yeah, it, it's unbelievable, which is why we're now doing racing games. Well, look what God has done for you in that by humbling you and drawing you near to God through being humiliated by your son. Yeah, I need to reflect on it more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we really kind of run out of time. There's the last bit. I don't know if you want to say anything. It, it's kind of critical. Yeah, I think it just goes back to the quarrels and and to the taming of the tongue, like. Uh, don't speak evil against one another. Uh, don't judge one another because you don't have that right. Yeah. And I think all of this is in the context of those quarrels and fights among the church. So it, it matters. It has real practical, immediate implications for us. Is that the crescendo? That might have been it. Oh, yeah. Wolpe and crescendo. We, <laughs> we really appreciate you joining us for this great production of Christchurch Fox Chapel. And as uh, our house band returns oh yeah we're the exciting bit yeah i haven't heard this part yeah we often don't get to this part thanks for joining us this has been a podcast of christ church box chapel we love that you listen to this thanks for continuing and we'll be back with you next week god bless church isn't that distortion yeah. it's cool for the 60s man they're bringing it oh. ah. see you